So uh, check it out. So I'm doing I'm learning Guarani on uh, oh, on Duolingo. Nice. Uh-huh. It's great. It's it's really fun. It's really nice. I'm actually feel like I'm starting to get a little bit. But they use it. They use vosotros. Actually, so to get... but don't you love the Argentine way of vosotros is not the Spanish way. That's right. No, no, conjugue cierto, right? The el tenso errado. <laughs> so it's so for me, I love the voz the way the Argentines use it because it's closer to English and direct to you. I suppose. Right? It's like easier to be like, como andas vos? Right? Because you can't say tú. Mm-hmm. Like, so so it like replaces your double you. So for me, True. the vos, I, I love the Argentine vos, but okay. but it's not the vosotros of the, the pain in the ass, vosotros of the Spanish. I just, yeah. I don't know what that I, is. I'm just too deep down the rabbit hole that I just can't. I just yeah. I can't deal with vosotros. So Yeah. No, me neither. I can only deal with vos. The Minnesota Football Show, your regular dose of smart, socially aware, and occasionally snarky news and commentary about local, national, and international soccer. The Minnesota Football Show co-hosts are Bridget McDowell and Sheila Reed, produced and co-hosted by Rodrigo Sanchez Javeria and Eric Silva. You can follow the Minnesota Football Show at MN Football Show on your social media platform of choice. Subscribe to and rate the Minnesota Football Show on iTunes. Bienvenidos, welcome to the Minnesota Football Show. My name is uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Chavarria. You can find me at RSC Spoken War on Twitter. Uh, with me, we have Eric. Eric, can you uh, talk? How was your how's the week been so far? My week, it has been okay. It's cold, uh, getting colder. We're, we're we're finally getting the winter. We haven't really had much of a, a real Minnesota winter, but now it's uh, for listeners outside of Minnesota. We are dropping. We are getting the polar vortex. Negative uh, twenty Sunday is what I'm hearing. So, not looking forward to that. But um, other than the cold, things are things are what things are pretty good. Yeah. How about you? How was your week? Um, it's been crazy uh we started distance learning uh for second time so like because they're allowing so many kids to go back to to school so it's been interesting um to tell you the least and then um you know uh, there's just uh my father-in-law got uh got one the first dose of the vaccine so that's good oh yeah and then my parents are in on a waiting list so you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Kids are beginning to start, you know, doing soccer practices and implementing new guidelines and all the other stuff. So it's just, and then the soccer world is, I, I've learned a bunch of new things and um, just a lot of crazy things that are going on locally. So, you know, just sure. trying to stay above. Right on. Well, we should introduce our very special guest uh, returning for her second time on the, the now podcast, because the last time we had her on, we were actually in a radio studio and had her on the phone. Uh, but Dr. Brenda Elsie from uh, Burn It All Down podcast. She's also the professor of history at Hofstra, uh, author or co-author of Futbolero, Futbolero with, uh, is it uh, Joshua, is it Nadal? Is that how you pronounce the last name? Yep. yep. Uh, excellent, excellent book. If you all haven't read that, please do pick it up. It's very, very good. And fair development lead of Conmebol and CONCACAF, 
mother, um, just extraordinary human. You, you make me feel very lazy, Brenda. You're, you're doing all of these things. But I do them all with a sense of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to... I'm just starting to hit a certain pitch, so don't take it too don't take it too seriously. Well, thank you so much for for joining us again. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, how are things there in New York? Because while we're dealing with the cold, you all got inundated with actual snow, like lots and lots of snow. And my kids are very jealous. They want the snow. Mm, mm, mm. My kids will send your kids the snow. Um, <laughs> so they're not happy about it. <laughs> no, no. They would rather be in, in Brazil or in Mexico uh-huh. or absolutely away from the snow. And uh, yeah, I mean, if the walls weren't closing in already, they certainly feel like it now. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're all right. Spring's around the corner. Right on. This reminds me of the time when we visited Boston maybe four or five years ago. And it was, again, a fairly weak winter here in terms of snow. It got cold again, but not much snow. And then we, we showed up at supposed, in, in quotes, spring break in Boston. And it was that year, again, where there was just like nor'easter after nor'easter. And we're walking through these neighborhoods with, with plowed and piled up snow, like probably 10 feet high. And so again, the kids were just loving it. Like they're climbing on everybody's house and we're like, get down, you guys. Nice. Yeah, I can't deal with the oppressive whiteness that falls from the sky. Same, same, same. Spawn of the devil. Right on. Well, we got lots of things to talk about. We, we specifically wanted to bring you in to talk uh, Libertadores, Grand Final. There's lots to talk about because it was, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. But we had to be patient. The best tournament there is. The he first does. thing I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to kick it off just with uh, kind of a fun thing. I, I don't know if you follow forward Madison at all. Uh, USL team, not too far from us here oh, yeah, in Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their social media is the best. Mm-hmm. They do such a good job and they're just a lot of fun. And so they had this naming contest for a new calf because they have a cow because of course they do. It's forward Madison. Okay. And, and so we had to, um, there were, it, it was like a whole World Cup bracket situation of getting down to two names <laughs> over like a month. This is why we love them. Brother. Do, do, so do you still fun. have the list of the names that were nominated? I don't have all of them. No, no. We, we went through some of them. But, but the final two were Rose uh, Cowbell, which ultimately won. And the one that I preferred was Conca Calf. Yeah, I, I love Conca Calf. <laughs> I think that is brilliant, especially, especially like you can do the Spanish in a concacaf, like concaf. I like it. I like it with the calf. Oh, oh, well, Rose is nice too. It is. Lavelle, Lavelle, Cowbell. There's, there's ways to go. And so the best part about this is she had absolutely no reason to even get involved, but Rose Lavelle herself (gasps) subtweeted it. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Yep. To say this, she says, quote, to say this as an honor would be an understatement. <laughs> but, yep. and for, forgive me, but didn't Rose go to Wisconsin? She did. She played at oh, UW. That's, yep. Yeah, that's what I think that the relationship is in that. that yeah. Yep. That nice. they so that's, yeah. No, no. That's I mean, sweet. I was I was totally for CONCACAF just because as a writer, like the alliteration. Yeah. Where it's CONCACAF. But yeah. Rose Lavelle, I mean, Cow Lavelle, you know, Rose Cowbell works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now they have calves. You got to vote. Calves. <laughs> and um, I'm sure there'll be another one. It's the dairy state. Sure. 
my, my wife was just screaming from the backyard. She's from Wisconsin. She's like, the dairy state. Well, I mean, like, I approached them via DM one time because they were using flamingos. And I'm like, that's a Libertadores thing. And I'm like, and, and I was like, do you want to associate yourself with, you know, the Libertadores movement? Or you want to learn more about that? And I never got a reply. So, Are you trying to segue with Rigo? I feel like you're trying to segue. And it's good. I, we should go. I'm, I'm trying to do something. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So we weren't able to time it out. We actually recorded right before the match started. And then we rushed to our, our terrible Facebook, uh, terrible Facebook pirate streams. We don't, we're going to, we're going to take Brenda's advice. I think and try and do the, the FUBU eventually. Um, okay. Oh, where do we start? So we have to start with the shirt. Cause this is like the protagonist, I think of this, or the, maybe the antagonist, in fact, of this entire thing. Um, Brenda, would, would you like to describe the, this is Kuka, this is the coach of Santos Futebol Clube, and he immediately comes out, I, I've, so I, I watch Brasileiro, so I've seen sort of him wear this shirt before, but normally he wears yeah. like a blazer. Yeah. And kind of covers yeah. half of it. Yeah, he there has a kind of no jump cover. up. He has a kind of warm up suit that, you right. know, as he gets heated, but this particular game, I think it was around 100 degrees. So, you know, given that Kuka uh, just went full Virgin Mary with baby Jesus, it looks like a 1970s wolf with a rose in its mouth screen shirt, except it's Mary and Jesus. And he wears this shirt. He says that, quote, I adore the Virgin Mary, end of quote. So he, he does see it as religious. He is a practicing Catholic and has challenged other people to seek divine intervention. Um, unfortunately for him, it seems that Mary's really a Palmeiras oh, fan. Um, <laughs> you know, it didn't work out for him. So, but yeah, it's become kind of kitschy, kind of famous. Um, he wore it throughout the tournament and it's not yeah. the first time. I, I believe the first time he wore it was somewhere around 2017. This is a guy, and we could talk about this, that has had 30 coaching positions. And we can also oh, yeah. talk about like what what is wrong with Brazilian football that like with the coaching revolving. It's classic. It's doors. always failing just, up. It's just unbelievable. It's like, oh, you've won three games. Like you're fired. It's just like, I don't, and I, I mean, not that I'm a Kuka like fan or anything, but it's just bizarre. It's just absolutely bizarre. So yeah, it's, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot for sure. If, if listeners have not seen this shirt, <laughs> I, I have to implore you to immediately pause the podcast and Google Kuka t-shirt or kuka virgin mary shirt or whatever and 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 see this thing because it is one of the loudest religious t-shirts i think i've ever seen and this is what i it it took me a second but i'm like this reminds me of something it reminds me of something so do do both of you remember um the boz lerman romeo and juliet from back in the day with with john Leguizamo as tibble yeah, yeah when he brushed up the shirt shirt. exactly exactly it's the big virgin mary like it's kind of what we're dealing with here. So I, it, it reminded me, and like when I saw the shirt, like I, I, I thought I started hearing Roberto Carlos' uh, Jesucristo song coming out in the ah, background. Jesucristo. I was like, wow, is that really Virgin Mary? And I was like, wait, it is. And it, and it took me back to my days when we, when I used to go to the Mercado in Lince and you would go to the Carnicero 
And the carnicero would be wearing something like that as you're chopping up your meat or you go to you go get some vegetables out from the corner. This is, this is so it, it's so part of the the environment that it's it's just it was I was like, wow. But that's not the only thing. I mean, this game was, was entertaining in itself, but just I, yeah, I'll let well, you guys keep going. Well, no, the, the first half kind of wasn't. It was pretty boring. I think that's why we all focused on the shirt. That's right. Um, that's right. You know, it was a real subdued first 93 minutes. Um, and and I do remember thinking I was being very critical of both. And I was reading Brazilian journalists that said, you know, it's a crime somewhere to let this go into extra time. And there mm. was a lot of criticism for how boring it was. But I mean, you really had two teams that were kind of surprising that they were there a little bit. Um, and they also given... know each other too. I mean, yeah. they play each other in the regular yeah. season. So, And then I noticed some people on Twitter that said, you know, actually – the fact is that there haven't been the kind of errors that the other team could capitalize on. And I was like, that's true. That's true. That's probably a more generous framework than I was giving it. Well, the, the only thing I really noticed, I, I put a couple things in here at the start of the second half. It did seem like Palmatis was starting to yeah. control the midfield a little bit more. Yeah. They still couldn't actually score, but ball possession, I think kind of changed at yeah. that point. Um Soteldo, uh, he looked phenomenal. He had this amazing, I put it in the, I clocked it on like the 81st or something like that. It's one of those where I'm not sure it was a shot or a cross, but it ended up almost scoring because yeah. he was going so far with it and it almost went far post. Um, Weverton had an amazing double save yeah. shortly after that as well. And you, I think you mentioned earlier too, how hot it was there in, uh, yeah. in Rio, 32 Celsius, hundred some degrees. So like, he he makes this double save and hits the ground and does not get up because yeah. I think he just has multiple cramps from the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and so a bunch of these guys are, are just hurting. Um, probably important to mention that at the 85th minute, uh, Breno Lopez gets subbed in because that name will come back. <laughs> yeah. um, 89th minute. This is something I'm not sure if I've ever seen before. It was, it was very interesting and, and kind of wild. Um, so I don't know if, guys, if you all remember this attack, they're in the box, ball kind of gets bounced around and ends just, it kind of ends up hanging there. And one of the Santos strikers, he goes for a bicycle kick attempt and oh, does yeah, not yeah. score. It kind of no. it goes over. Right. But what happens is, and I remember I was trying to capture a screenshot of it and I couldn't get it, but as he's, as he's doing his backflip basically to do the bicycle kick, two Palmeiras defenders come in to try and block the bicycle kick and they whiff and bonk themselves and take out the dude's foot. <laughs> so all three of these guys hit the ground at the same time, <laughs> two, two with head injuries and one with like a busted up foot from two yeah. heads. And the whole game was bananas. chippy, right? The, but the whole yes. game was pretty chippy. And, and I don't understand why so many headers in the midfield, like it was really weird for me um that so much of the ball was in the air <laughs> yeah that's so right. much of the time it was it was I was I was sort of puzzled by that strategy and I felt like one of the teams had that strategy and then the other just responded by doing the same thing or something I couldn't quite figure out why it felt like 60 percent of the time the ball was in the air when it was in the midfield and yep. that felt wrong um to me from you know from the beginning from the get-go yeah. of the game. Um, I'm used to seeing Brazilians, 
you know, sort of like fancy the chest. Hogo bonito. You know, but like the but the but the heading like that wasn't pretty at all. Yeah, it was just kind right. of a mess in the midfield, and people kept getting hurt over and over That's again. Was, yeah, that led to all the fouls. There were yeah, a bunch of fouls. it's also yeah. it's also like energy exhaustion when you go up for a header. It takes such so much yeah. energy to do kind yeah. of to be doing a lot of that. It just takes a lot out of you. It just doesn't really. Specifically in in the heat, that's you know thirty two Celsius, thirty four Celsius. That's absolutely. It's no joke. That's no joke yeah. down there. Specifically down there, but yeah, it was it was it was a game that was just it. it I, I at times it felt like nobody really wanted to give an inch and nobody really wanted to press, right? And what he what we had seen for at least whether what these while these Brazilian teams were playing the Argentinian teams is like they would press. But I just I did not see that press, and I don't know if it was because nobody, you know, nobody wanted to lose, <laughs> just, just or, or they just took out of uh, a page out of out of uh, you know uh, the uh, was it the Nashville uh, Nashville MLS team, you know, just oh yeah, bunker in team and just try to try to get the ball on a counter and, and try to see if that'll right. work somehow, which it did for a lot of times with the, with that team. Um, well, let's go to we get eight minutes of stoppage time. Eight minutes. So that, that's like, crazy. That's, that's the thing that time. got me, right? It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like you don't want to go into extra time, but you want to have a, a PK final. That's 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 one of the things too. That's like, and like and like we all re- referred to already. It, it's chippy. It's tense. Like there have been some yellows, but it's getting worse and worse. And it, this is Coleman ball. It's like we're we're sensing the red. The red is coming, but it came from a very <laughs> unexpected place. Like I. I could not have predicted this. Oh, so no. let's let's just hit it. So 95th minute, ball goes out of bounds. And I can't even remember which Palmeiras player it was, but, you know. He it was, was Marcos Rocha. There you go. Very Rocha. nice. Well done. Yeah. So as he's going out to just claim the ball, Kuka, again, in his full religious T-shirt, Kind of at first, it looks like he's actually going to help him. He's just going to go over and do like what most, most coaches do and just throw him the ball or kicking the ball. Well, he gets to the ball and I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost he goes down slowly and almost kind of does like a downward dog on like the ball. Keep away. He does like a, t- a, a second of keep away in extra time. But doesn't he almost like lay on it at some point? Yeah, but he kind of like already starts to shift it to the right. So that's, Marcus Rocha is coming in on his left and he right. moves the ball over. And then falls on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It was, oh, I could, it was great. I was I, laughing so hard. I like, saw this on slow motion and it was like yeah. the ball comes into the technical area, right? Usually when a ball goes out of bounds into a technical area, it is a chance for the for for the coach to do some sort of fancy footwork to put it back in play or to yep. or to give it to whoever. No. Reaches over enough to put his body between the ball and the player so he can shield it. And as he's picking it up and and and, and Marcos is trying to get his hand in there, he just goes, oops. <laughs> And the ball goes even further towards the back. And it was just one of those things where like, we're like, wow. And then, and then after that, you know, the bench, the benches start clearing. Yeah. And bench it just is clear. Becomes... Here we go. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> I just think, I, I just think it was one of the worst things I, I've seen from a coach. I just like, I, I just like, is this like you nine? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, if it, if it wasn't extra time, it would be one thing. If Marcos Rocha wasn't right there, 
it would be one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But you couldn't even pretend to help a player that was there at the ball at the same time that then you basically play keep away with. It was like, what kind of playground are you at? This is the Maracanã. Like, <laughs> I just, and I saw in the fight, I believe what I saw, but you can fact check me on this, was uh, Marcos Rocha yelling at Kuka, um, disrespectful, disrespectful, or something close to that. I was trying to like, 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 falta de respeito, but I, I couldn't. What would that be, Eric? It would be like falta de respeito, desrespeito, And that's what it—that's what it looked like he was saying. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you have a young Afro-Brazilian player, and you've got Kuka there with his, you know, <laughs> very different aesthetic, different age, different, you know, acting like a child. Yep. Um, I don't know. A lot of people thought it was it was too much that the red card was too much, but I was perfectly satisfied with it. And it's very comable. Yeah, it's very comable. Yeah. I, I I was one thing I was amazed about was that there weren't more. I was like, oh, Kuka's is getting one. Who else is getting one? <laughs> I know, I I mean, we, we were averaging about two red cards per leg yes. of, of, of of a game for each game, and and I was so used yeah. to it. I was looking forward to it to the fact that I think I might go back and start ranking them. For the tournament, <laughs> rank the reds. Yeah, I, I think I think it would be an that's, interesting thing to do. Would be just to rank the reds, and so that's far, Patreon content, sir. Yeah, I, yeah, I might just do that. That's a great idea. I mean, you could do it for the Copa America too, if you want to yep. just look at South American reds. I remember Messi getting that red for basically putting his hands behind his back and letting the Chilean players beat him up. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that. I totally yeah. did not want that to. Me yeah, that was that was a bad. That was a bad red. That was a really bad red. Legendarily so. bad red. Yeah. Poof. Yeah. All right. So so Kuka. Ends up being the only one, amazingly, <laughs> that gets red card out of this whole thing. Yeah. And so he gets escorted off the pitch into the stands, maskless, we should mention. He's maskless. Um, and he doesn't even get his butt down in the chair. He's basically turning around, trying to get situated. And there's this break, this two-pass quick break. I think I've got it in like the 98th. It's like the last 30 seconds of the match, basically, in stoppage yep. time. And the aforementioned... Breno Lopez gets gets it gets the uh, end of it. Um, steal, pass, header, three seconds. That's the end of the game. One nil Palmeiras. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> it was an amazing four minutes of a game. It was it was one of the best four minutes. <laughs> Honestly. In Commonwealth football, I mean, wow. I mean, it is a it is too. I mean, the thing about how tense it was and how sort of tight uh, both teams felt to me. I mean, they are both uh, Paulistano Mm -hmm. teams, right? Like we have Paulista football here. So they really do know each other. They're they're both Sao Paulo. I mean, that's that's really interesting. I don't know the last time. I mean, I guess Boca River would be, you know, an equivalent, but this isn't even the flu fla. This isn't even the Flamengo Fluminense real thing that you expect so it's pretty it was pretty interesting for me nonetheless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so there it is uh champs with all the <laughs> comable drama we just we just had to be so patient for it it was just one of those things where, like you knew it was coming but we had to wait a full 90 plus <laughs> for the divine intervention the yes. divine, that's the, the best part about it too is that is that something that karma it's like karma right that he wore that kind of a shirt pulled the <laughs> antics and gets the fucking red i can't believe it you can't mary says no stuff. mary says can't no write it 
<laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. You love it. You love it. You love it. Well, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know you're a huge Messi fan, as am I, mm. to be totally honest. Mm. But mm. let's look at this number. How, what do you feel about what was released with, the, with his salary? $555,237,619. Half a billion dollars. I mean. Is that per year? Totora. What, what, what do you think? No, this is, this is the multi-year contract, I think. Okay. Wait, so how much does it break down per year? Yeah, that's, that would be my next question. If it's multi, is this a, the three-year deal? Is this the three-year deal? I think deal, so. Think so? Three yeah. sounds right. Okay, so um, what do I think about that? I think the transfer fee, which he'll see none of, is $800 million. Um, So it's nice to see that the club will still net more just for transferring him than he will for three years of being the best player of this sport ever. So here's my Um, question. That's, oh, yeah. that if he Sarca- that's sarcasm, listeners. That's sarcasm. <laughs> so what if he retires, right? And then I'm... goes play somewhere else? No, I think this is already up, right? This well, is what's up. Isn't this what's I, I, expiring I right. at the end of this year, as far right, as I understand? Right, right. So I would say that capitalists um, don't pay workers more than they have to. So whatever they're paying him is what he's worth, at least. In their mind, you know, do I think he's really worth that versus, you know, um, a nurse right now in the hospital down the street or a teacher or a stay at home parent or anyone? No, I don't think he's a more valuable human being. But if football is the capitalist system that we know that it is there, you know, I'm not going to go around and sort of parse out what one player is worth uh over another in terms of that sort of pearl clutching, like, how could he make this much money? It's like, I don't know. How can Jeff Bezos make that much money? How can anybody make that much money? Um, I think it's a gross amount of money, but I think, uh, I don't think they overpay players. I think they pay players what they think they can make off them. And if nine Mm -hmm. out of every 10 Barcelona jerseys that sold has Messi on the back of it, they know full well what they're Mm going to get. Yeah, they're making more than that on just merchandise and whatever rights, them. distribution rights for TV yeah. rights, all the other stuff. The yeah. And do, you do don't you know the side contracts. We don't know what agents get in that. We don't right. know what he's actually netting off of that. We have no idea. Not like I'm like crying for him or anything. But I right. mean, my guess would be he gets at the end of the day and after taxes, you know, about a third of that. And that's if they pay taxes, right? Because just about every other <laughs> soccer player who makes that's, billions of dollars they eventually absolutely. eventually goes to court because, oops, we forgot to pay taxes, right? Totally, yes. totally. Um, do you think he's sticking around, Barcelona? No way. No way. I don't no. think so. I mean, but uh, but then again, I'm an historian, so like I'm really bad at the future. I really focus on you know what's already happened because sure. um, I'm not great at that. But if I had to think about, it, no, he really wanted out. He really yeah. wanted out. Um, I think he's gone and played respectively and likes his teammates and doesn't want to let them down and doesn't want to let the Barcelona fans down. But I mean, I've never seen him so vocally upset at an administration. I mean, this is a person that, you know, is a man of very, very, very few words. So mm-hmm. for him to sort of come out and say, and I, and I think it also started with the way they treated Suarez, which he was vocally unhappy about. He was unhappy. He still felt like Suarez put in all those years, glory days, and how did they mess up 
administering this club and why did they have to pay the price for it? So yeah, he seemed pretty upset. Yeah. You, just for our listeners, you, did you actually meet him or just, you were like in proximity? How did that whole thing work? Cause I know you, you were close to him at one point, right? Me and messy. Yeah. Did, weren't you, weren't you in like conference or something? No. Oh, Pelé. I, I Pelé. Pelé. I knew Pelé. Pelé one. I, yeah. Pelé. I, I, I know well, you guys actually had a moment together. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. We've had, Wait. we have had many moments, but I would like to say that um, Messi, if you're out there and you feel <laughs> like you want to think about the feminist Marxist critique of football with me, I'm here <laughs> to meet with you at your convenience, except Monday, Wednesdays when I'm teaching. Nice. <laughs> We we okay. have that much power. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, that's it right that's here. It. I mean, you you can't if you don't wish it out loud, it can't really happen. So I just need that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I just oh, need man. that divine. <laughs> no, I mean, I I've written a lot about him over the years in different academic publications and in popular stuff, and I've I I think I've seen most of the public content that's out there, and I just look at it, and he looks you know, he looks really vocal for the first time about being unhappy with the administration of the club and what he feels like is gutting the club and really poor decisions. And then look at their decisions. They're terrible. I mean, that's, that's, that's just not even controversial to say Barcelona is just sucking. It's like someone's playing uh, football manager badly for the first time and, and real life with Barca. It's just been some really bad decisions. And I don't, I don't, I don't blame him for for being upset, and I mean he's. I I just wonder if he's just doing like you know like this the weekend warrior Sunday league thing where he just shows up and just plays kind of just I'm just gonna get it done and get it over with and then that's the vibe then I get and move senior on year. to the thing which which yeah senior yeah. year senior right senior writers right you, you <laughs> get that idea we're like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cruise I'm just yeah. gonna get a, a a passing grade and that's it and then I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave and the question is like where where everybody wants to know where, where do you think people want to go? And I just, you know, I, I think it would be a great cinematic film if he goes to like a division two uh, EP, EPL team and then you're takes them all the, the way to the glory, happen, get, get, they, get them the promoted. Oh, wait, I'm talking about, oh, sorry, that way that's, that's Jordan Morris's take. Sorry, I meant to, I meant to, uh, no, but I think it would be great if he does in some sort of sense or if he just, decides to say retire and enjoy his family and enjoy going back to do other things back in back home, you know, go back home and, and, and do the, the things that he may want to be able to be an advocate for the game in, in different in different ways. So, I, I mean, I'd love to see him at Newell's old boys. I'd mm. love to see him at Leeds under Bielsa. I love to see him, you know, I mean, Pep, he could go back to Guardiola. They could afford him. I mean, his game has been adjusted so much. It's a very different game. So, I mean, where he's useful is more of a question than it would have been five years ago, right? Where he could be useful anyway. And like, now you really got to think about it. Um, he's playing so much, so deep. I mean, it's a different distribution player altogether. So, so what you're saying is Minnesota United, it's going to happen. You know, yeah, it could be. <laughs> um definitely if you think he could adjust yes 
Um, I don't think he likes the oppressive whiteness coming from the sky. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he can really <laughs> I doubt it. That. We, but, we, get, we get the Finns, we get the Swedes. <laughs> we got one Argentine right. somehow. We got that one was, Argentine, was... and that's as much as we're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Are they so from like Ushuaia? Maybe they're like from Ushuaia Glacier, Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> we we lost pretty also, much all the Uruguayos. We lost all the Uruguayos just about. Except yeah, for the, we did. The tiny one. Ren- Ren- Renoso's Porteño, isn't he? I'm pretty sure it's Buenos Aires, if I'm not mistaken. Um, speaking of, okay, so th- this kind of segues into a question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, because Rodrigo and I had a discussion with another, uh, one of our, our fellow Minnesota podcasts, the Daves I know, and we were talking about world leagues and, and rankings of world leagues, because they wanted to bring us on basically to have a, a non-white, non-European kind of frame, because that's what? where a lot of this stuff comes from. I know, I know, exactly. <laughs> just, w- whether it's white europeans or white americans they're like <laughs> writing these lists and surprise surprise there's no cold Bowl, there's no afcom there's no asian Com- there's nothing it's just all the european leagues so i'm curious if your take on you know we, we this not just barcelona but the spanish league is is a bit of a mess once you start to get in the middle and the oh, yeah. uh, and and the end the french league is in co- complete collapse right now league is looking yeah we'll, we'll talk about that later i suppose or maybe even now but i'm just kind of curious I have my opinions. I know Rodrigo does too, but if you were to pick like a top five, maybe top 10, but let's, let's, let's make it specified. Let's say top five. Do you think that a Brasileiro or an Argentine Primera, are they in there? I think that the Brazilians have to be. Uh, I think they have to be. I think, you know, you kept Liverpool last year to the minimum in the World Club competition from Flamengo that's a pretty big deal that Liverpool team was dominant in the UEFA Champions League and for the Brazilians to hold them like that it's not like they came with their like you know ventures like they they you know everybody was playing and 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 the Brazilians did great I think the fact that Gabigol Gabriel Barbosa is back and they paid a transfer fee to go the other way. When yep. does that ever happen? Right. That you start That's to trans- yeah. transfer them back. I was so excited about that. Um, so I think that bodes really, really well for the Brazilians that you start to get a Flamengo that's in the financial shape. And I mean, let's face it, corruption's still rampant, but there's not an avalanche. There's not a Teixeira to, to do it's, that, you know? Yeah. It's a totally different, um, yep. what do you want to call it, a scenario compared to like the 90s. I mean, the 90s were yeah. just disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they have to play less games. There is mm. just, it's ridiculous. Like you're mm-hmm. talking about like that with all the series and all the campeonatos and all, they burn out some of those players. And, but the Santos Academy is still putting out the best player, some of the best players mm-hmm. in the world. They're going to continue um, to do that. I think the three that I saw, the Caio Jorge, mm-hmm. um, Gabriel Veron, and Gabriel Menino, um, the two last two from Palmeiras and the first from Santos, though Jorge didn't have the game that I thought he would have. He had a wonderful tournament. Those three who are like all under like 22 are fantastic. And, you know, I would love to see them stay in Brazil. So I think that that I think the Brazilian league at the last three years has has definitely placed itself as one of the best. Um, I'll be real interested in the club championship this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going on. We, we, we have it in the notes as well. It's like that's the one thing is just because of 
COVID time and COVID land, like there's really no rest for Palmatis. Like they win it, no, they get on a exactly. plane and fly out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, don't it, you remember Flamengo? Like they won the Libertadores and then they and then, like, they won the Campeonato three days later. They had right. to play. <laughs> it was like... Exactly. Well, I, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. One of the crazy things. Yeah. There's there's the the seasons are now overlapping like. I mean, obviously, my team, Goyaz, they're in relegation, but their A team Sorry. is flying around trying to get promoted while their B and C teams have already sta- started to stud wise. So there's like two seasons on top of each other right now. Well, the next Copa Libertadores starts in what, like 16 days? Very what, soon. I, what the yep. hell? I can't yep. even recover. Yeah. Um, so come on. Come on, Brasileiros. Like, give us a rest. But that's the thing, too. Like, if you look at, all the other leagues you have, like in the Liga MX, you have not only the Clausura, but you got the Liguilla, and then you got the pre, pre whatever. And it's like, it's like if you're going to, that you you're going to be able to either a have a nice bankroll to have extremely enough reserves to be able to play that, or you're just you're just gonna fatigue everybody and injure everybody, and then you're going to just not have anything else to to offer and i think that's one of the things too that like as as much as i love libertadores and i grew up watching libertadores and my favorite team is still the only team the peruvian sporting cristal team that made it to the finals and wasn't able Mm -hmm. to 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 do anything much of that but it was just one of those things where like it's it's like there has to be better usage of scheduling and be able to give these players a break because if players break right then your money goes away, right? Because everyone's trying to to bank bankroll on the players and, and sell them, and then we fund their academies or fund whatever uh, mm-hmm. backroom deal that we don't mm-hmm. know about that eventually will come come out in the next couple of years of whatever league yeah. it is. But but there's that there's that. I mean, and I think a lot of the issues for me is into what league is better. Is like if you look at La Liga, you have five teams that are always doing a thing, and everybody else was just trying to get through. Same thing with the EPL. You have, you know, seven, eight teams that are always doing the same thing. Everything else is just a crapshoot after that. There isn't There's, like a consistency. I'd, I'd argue EPL has balance, though. I mean, EPL, at least the middle is stable and some of the bottom teams in relegation can pull upsets and things like that. I mean, it's 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 the best league because it's probably the most stable, right? That, I guess that's what I would say. I'm not a fan. I'm not saying that because I'm a fan. I'm just and I'm in, not in making of, that noise because I argue. <laughs> just the stability, I guess, is the thing. But, <laughs> I know. But what you're, I know. What you're saying, Rodrigo, is applicable to Liga, like we just talked about. It's applicable to Serie A. I mean, Serie A right. has barely dug themselves out of the, yeah. the shithole with Berlusconi and everything yeah. else. Like right. and, and barely the thing is like, back in. How do how do how do we rank a, a league? Right? Is is it just because? the best teams come out of there or is it because they're more sustainable, right? Yeah. I are think they, that's the are word. all the teams, are all the teams competing well with each other mm-hmm. and, and there's, and there's always a fight for relegation and promotion and it's all competitive. Right. And I think, yeah. I think, I think that sometimes happens, you know, like it's, it's, it's rare to find places like that, but it, it can. And, it, and I think it varies from, from year to year. One year could be, you know, in, in one Argentinian league, the next year could be the EPL or, at one point, La Liga, but it, or MLS at one point, right? Where you where you have that kind of consistency aspect of it, or 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 um, the one league that I do want to watch more of, and I and I always forget that is the um, the Liga Femenil MX. So that's one oh, of the yeah. things that I want to be able to watch more of. Yep. As of, as of now. So, 
Yeah. I mean, all the women's leagues are kind of an entirely different and important conversation and their Libertadores sigh um, are, were postponed um, for March 20th and 21st and moved from Chile to Argentina. Um, and it's, you know, it's a real frustration um, to think about the way in which that tournament's just been completely underdeveloped on purpose and it sucks. And to see them use COVID, it's not a tournament that costs Comeval money. It's not a tournament that is a big expense for these federations. So it's not like, oh, we had to postpone this and change the venue so we could save so much money. It's like, right, you put in like maybe a little bit of your FIFA development fund into it anyway. And mm -hmm. then you get to check those boxes. So please, and they, and they still have bungled it the entire way through. I will put in a little word for Bundesliga mm. as uh, if you're talking about balanced, if you're talking about stable, if you're talking about, mm. you know, half of the teams not being privately owned and still mm. being able to play with the EPL in a competitive, if not, you know, dominant, okay, not dominant over the EPL, but like competitive sense, I'd say that Bundesliga is, is definitely one of the five best leagues in the world and that counts for the way they treat their women and that right. counts for the way that they they treat their players um and fans i think i wanted to take it back to the the women's game a little bit because we can tie in a little bit to a uh, football era to, to your book um so i mean what you were just saying with with the uh <laughs> the issues with the confederations and the federations just a couple weeks ago we were talking about uh, the, the Colombian women's team came up here and played that double header mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. the U.S. women's national team. And mm -hmm. they got smoked both matches, yeah. but that wasn't even the story. It was that the, the Federation didn't send them. They didn't give them any money. They didn't give them any funding. They didn't do anything. They had to get private sponsors. Yeah. I think the, the was did the U.S. Federation end up, end up giving them lodging and food or something or just like bare minimum stuff. They got more than from the Colombian yeah. Federation. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know all the particulars and those are good questions. Um, it certainly wouldn't be out of the, you know, uh, it would be in keeping with how these work. Um, yeah. You know, they hadn't played in what, 18 months? Mm -hmm. The Colombian national yeah. team hadn't been like, convoked. Yeah, it was more like over, over a year. You're right. Yeah, it's been yeah. that long. Um, and so they've probably dropped out of FIFA rankings. I haven't even looked. Um, you know, they had criminal charges against the national team coaching staff for sexual assault of minors. That's right. Um, they had not paid their Liga de Mayor once COVID started. Um, they only have two to three month contracts at a time. Uh, in the professional league. So it's one of the worst places um, to work. And yet it's really sad because you have a really feminist mayor in Bogota that tried to support it. You have really amazing players that are articulate and outspoken like Vanessa Cordova, um, who is the daughter of the very famous Libertadores goalkeeper, Oscar Cordova, mm. uh, <laughs> last from the past, um, who is an amazing advocate. And... You know, and the Federation just, it, it, it is, it's got it all handed to them. All they have to do is take the very minimum amount of funding that has been offered by Comebol and FIFA and direct it. And yet they seem completely unwilling and unable to do so. So it's very frustrating because there's so many good experienced people in Colombian football that have supported the Di Mayor League and to watch it kind of 
you know, fall by the wayside like this. And then, and, and, and of course that has direct bearing on how the national team can fare against something like the U S women's national team. So it's great if, that they were invited. It's great that Argentina is going to be in the, she believes cup. I appreciate the solidarity that the U S women's team um, can show and can spread around. Um, but these, the, the, it's just, it's just infuriating. I, so since I, I wrote the book, is anything different? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, since we, hi, Josh. Um, it, it's just like, it, it, you just, I don't even think it needs an updated edition. I just hope it will soon. Well, that, that's uh, going to the book. We'll, we'll, we'll do the plug. Listeners, please pick up uh, <laughs> Futbolera by Brenda and, uh, and Josh. Um, I was going to ask, I mean, you cover a lot. I learned a lot. I, I didn't know a lot of those histories. Even the, the Brazilian history, I learned a number of things. But we're, you're, you're, you cover Chile, Argentina, Mexico, Central America, Mexico. Uh, I said that uh, Brazil, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, what it, doing the research? Uh, what were some of the things that maybe you weren't aware of, or that maybe you had an idea of, and then you started to learn more as you were kind of going? Maybe something that surprised you that kind of that kind of sticks out. I mean, I think, and I can just be as brief as possible. In the case of Brazil, it was that after the legal prohibition happened in 1941 under the Vargas government, the degree to which they kept playing and packing stadiums in Minas Gerais and in Sao Paulo and 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 getting in trouble for it all the time and kind of the flagrant, um, just, just the flagrant, uh, rebellion against this prohibition. And, um, you know, I interviewed Sissy, who was the captain in the Golden Boot winner in the World Cup. And mm-hmm. w- when I asked her, you know, I, I said, like, there wasn't even a Brazilian women's team when you were born. Like, it was still illegal. Farmiga, by the way, is the last player who was born under the prohibition. So we should all cry when she retired. Deusa. Yep. And so um, she said, you know, yeah, but you know what? Like that just made it all the more interesting. And that just made us want to play more. And yeah, you know, fuck them. So it was, you know, so it was great. But I guess I was just shocked by the perseverance, um, arrests, court cases, you know, all that stuff. And in the case, I I knew none of this. Yeah. No, I knew they played and they probably suffered discrimination. I knew there was a law, but I didn't know about like the, that they were still packing 25,000 seaters in Curitiba in 1958. Right. That I had no idea about and that it was really cross-racial, that it was really cross-class. Um, I was super intrigued by that. I still am. Um, there's so many more stories to be told about the Brazilian women's football history. And you can um, kind of it, contrast that with what yeah. Rodrigo was talking about with like Liga Feminil and where that's right now, because yeah. Mexico has a very different story where there was actual yeah. support. Yeah, I mean, they did to the extent that they could, given FIFA constantly punishing the Mexican Federation. Um, they do have this really great moment uh, in the 68, 69, 70, when Mexico is just the center of the sporting world, right? You got like 68 Olympics, you got the 1970 World Cup, and then you got the 1971 Women's World Cup in Mexico. And that was really surprising to us, just how successful that it was, that it was over 100,000 people in Estadio Azteca, that it continues to probably be the most watched women's soccer tournament in history, though, because it's not recognized every single time they bring up the new numbers. It flames me. <laughs> <laughs> and what's so interesting about that is it was a tournament that was organized independently of FIFA and mm-hmm. the Federation. So 
it's really a wonderful example. If you're just not getting what you deserve, it's not impossible to imagine things happening in a different way. Did, did they call it Women's World Cup? What, what did they, what was the... Uh, they, yeah, it was, so it was sponsored by um, Martini Rossi, mm. the like booze Italian, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, they called it the International Women's World Championship okay. or Women's World Football Championship. Yeah, it's an Italian, it starts with the Italian. Um, Internazionale, calcio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, that was really surprising. Uh, Costa Rica being like the kind of like total apostles of, mm. of women's soccer in Central America. That was a real surprise. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, thanks for asking about the book. That was kind. Definitely. Um, and I want to be respectful of your time. We'll take a break in a sec here, but uh, fair fair is doing really awesome stuff. Um, I got to sit in on the ISC. You were, you were there not that long ago and, yeah. and spoke a little bit about your work maybe for, for Rodrigo and, and listeners that weren't able to attend is, is there anything uh, that you want to add or maybe tell people through, through this podcast audience that. Uh, oh, I'd love you know, to. You might I want would to pass just... on. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. First, there's always the reporting option that's on the FAIR website for any incidents that you see in football that involve gender, racial, or sexual orientation discrimination. So anything that happens um, that you see, whether you're watching, there's like a report, we compile those, we give them to the federations, we give them to the confederations, and we give them to FIFA. So if there's anything you see that's out there, secondly, um, there's ongoing small grants programs that then are big to be built up for larger event programs, hopefully. So please, if there's anything, feel free to contact me. Any grassroots football projects you have um, that involve changing the football culture um, in the United States or just, you know, um, that work you're already doing that you know you might need support for that's anti-racist work uh we would love to see those types of projects and finally we are gonna have a, a, i think of stay tuned but a, another redux of the pre-2022 world cup conference probably in new york um okay. where we try to bring together grassroots activists academics um and football people to kind of think about football as a place for social change ahead of the 2026 world cup that will be here in the u.s um you know robert Kraft, henry kissinger are on the on the <laughs> committee maybe we Yikes. could maybe we could do some alternate work i don't know so yeah please be in touch with us um we really appreciate isc we really appreciate all the people who um have been doing this work already and hope that we can support it do we have to do the uh, the legal disclaimer that Minnesota Football Show did receive one of the football people grants <laughs> a few years ago? And is <laughs> and, and, and is amazing. And we would love to continue working on projects like that and giving more money as much as we can get to give it, um, basically. So right on. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Anyway, Brenda, thank you so much. Obrigado, obrigado. Uh, obrigado. Enjoy your evening. I know it's later there. Rodrigo and I are gonna keep rolling, but. Thank you once again. Yes, thank you, Brenda. And uh, keep fighting the oppressive whiteness that falls from the sky. Oh, so. before we let you go, do you want to <laughs> drop drop the uh, Twitter and your contacts for uh, Minnesota Football Show listeners? 
Oh, sure. You can find me at Politicultura, um, P-O-L-I-T-I-C-U-L-T-U-R-A. Not hard for Spanish speakers. Is it all right for the Portuguese speakers? Funciona. <laughs> Funciona. Yeah, Politicultura. Politicultura. All right. Thank you. Ciao. Thank you so much. Ciao. Hi, this is Lisa Watch, and no, you must be to me because I am definitely not blessing your ears in this podcast. Anyways, back to the Minnesota football show. All right, welcome back to the Minnesota football show. Rodrigo's here. My name's Eric. Thanks once again to the always great Dr. Brenda Elsie. Uh, uh, yeah, let's jump in. Let's go local here. So Minnesota United... Uh, bloop exclamation point the uh Ibar Gwen watch has ended he is finally to uh santos santos laguna in liga Miaki. so i guess is the response to that another another one gets away from minnesota united i, I don't know you you seem okay with this you're cool with this Rodrigo? i mean the money wasn't gonna it just seemed that the money wasn't gonna work okay like the agreement on money and i think you and I know uh, America, uh, aka the Hollywoods of Mexican league team, um, yeah. they needed to move the money before his his contract expired because then they would lose anything. So right. it had to be a, a somewhat of a, a quicker move. And I don't think Minnesota United was was with the looming lockouts and all the other stuff. It was you know territory that I don't think people were willing to move fastly on, right? Unless you're FC Cincinnati, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, well said. That, that, that's that's coming. Um, on Tuesday, we've got some re-signings. Hayes Montgomery, who I didn't even remember, but yeah, you have Montgomery to look that up. It was like house. one of those early signings that like no one really thought of, and then no one still thinks about it. Eventually, it would be one of those people that you would be like. Oh yeah, we signed this guy. Oh yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> that guy. Well, the the one that got everybody was the uh, was the gas on the on the on the match was Brent Coleman was renewed, and yeah, there was a lot of uh, feelings, rightly so. Uh, I'm certainly one of them. Uh, it just I, I don't even know what the front office is doing at this point. It's we, everything that's been said has been said. I don't, I don't even know what to add. It, it just seems like a very very aggressive kind of uh, anti-supporter move, quite frankly. And then for them to start tweeting out uh, Black History Month this, Black, Hi Black History Month that with a man that clearly doesn't stand for Black lives, that uh, doesn't wear the I mean, the shirt is one thing. It's just the fact that he's been so, um, what's the word, obnoxious, I guess. And and apparently there's even <laughs> more to it, too. It's I just a uh, PR nightmare. Like it's a PR nightmare in that aspect of it, but like in the end, this is a business and Coleman is an asset that they can um, loan off to somebody else. And... It's a business man. But and when you have a, 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 a attempted fascist coup uh, nearly a month ago, and then resign a player that is sticking his toes in, in the ocean of fascism, uh, I'm not sure that's a good look. I'm, I'm not saying it is a good look. I'm just saying that this is just what Man, I mean, he's going to do. He, he might he might be in up to his chest. Right, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
it's I'm bad. not disagreeing um, with you. I'm just saying that that's that's just the way it's going to be. Like people are gonna sign, they're gonna sign them. They don't, they don't, they as much as we want to say that this team is, is somewhat connected to us, you know, we all know that at the end the checks is that matter. And if and if Coleman can play some sort of role in that aspect of it, he'll stay. Uh, and it's funny because you know currently defensive wise we we are pretty decent in depth. I mean we don't know. And this is without counting if Ike is going to come back or not. And if he does come back, yeah. it's a it's a whole different deal. So, um, but if not, then we have center backs. You know, we just sign a new center back slash midfielder, right? I mean, you know, the depth chart might be might be might be down deep deep enough that we. We don't see them or we send them out to San Antonio again for whatever else is going to happen in USL. Yeah. But I am happy about Hayes. That's the one thing really I am aggressive. happy about. The, yeah. Jacory Hayes was, it was, was, was the highlight for me on this whole thing. All right. Good stuff. Um, Mr. Fangmeyer, he's talking about potentially look, uh, Minnesota looking at a new striker, 27 year old Adrien Hunu. He plays at um, Rene in the, aforementioned crumbling Liga. Uh, I have know nothing about this player, Rodrigo. Do you I, I know nothing except awesome. That's it. <laughs> Crushing yeah. it. Who know? Watch. That's exactly is what what is going on with Liga on um you want to take it now? We can take it now. I got no, let's just take it now bit. since we're talking about a Uga Liga sure. and player. So well there is a lot. Um first of all they've been losing money on uh, TV rights. Apparently there was a deal of uh, boy, it was like a billion dollars in total, but 814 million from a group called Media Pro, 330 million from BN, and this whole thing collapsed. And, and so this hit all it, this hit the entire league, which then hit the teams, which then hit the players, um, which is kind of causing you know that where we've been talking about the stability. It's caused instability, especially in the middle to lower income league on teams. They're they're just not getting the money. They can't pay their players. Uh, it's a big mess. Marseille is, is kind of a good example to look at this. Marseille, like two months ago, were like top two or three. They were doing really well, as they tend to do. And over the past two weeks, they've imploded. They're they're down to like nine or ten. Um, Villas-Bosch, who's the Portuguese, uh, technical Portuguese, he, it, this, this is Club de Cuervos, man. You'll love it. So he specifically tells the, his, uh, his ownership group, I don't want this player. Whatever you do, don't sign this guy. And then he leaves, he pieces out, and they sign the guy who he tells them not to, and he comes back and turns in his resignation. <laughs> I'm out. So, yeah, so they're coachless, and they've been just dropping, losing all their matches. Wow. And I mean, it's, yeah. It's That's like season, season one Cuervos, right? It is. It is. It is. It is. And so that that's kind of a, a – uh, what do you want to call it? A microcosm that one team represents kind of what's happening in the league. I mean, similarly to what you're talking about with like the Spanish league with La Liga and everything like that, like your PSGs, your Lille and stuff like that. There's like those top three or four teams that are going to be fine, but the middle and the bottom right. is not in good shape at all. Right. And so like if, if the whole bottom just bottoms out, then yep, you don't and, have and a league anymore. And we're kind of watching it in real time, which Ta-da! That's why all these, there's all these French players that are all of a sudden like, get me the hell out of here. Yep. Um, what else in MLS? Well, we can talk about some breaking stuff here that's happening. So earlier in the week in MLS, we had the let them hashtag let them play between uh, Brenda was talking about ISC. So it was ISC and the MLSPA just showing solidarity with the players. Uh, 
for a while there, there wasn't any movement yet this week. We still hadn't heard. They were negotiating, blah, blah, blah. Well, as of a few hours ago, uh, we we had an extension because Thursday, yesterday was Thursday, had an extension. And then as of, like I said, just now, uh, we have, a, it says, MLSPA says they've reached a tentative agreement on amendments to the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the agreement will now be sent to the full player pool for ratification over the weekend. So that's where we're at as of now. Which, um, I mean, the good news is it looks like there's going to be a season. It looks like it will be agreed upon. Bad news is it looks like the players probably get the short, not probably, they do get the short end of the stick. So they won't be able to renegotiate a new deal before the 2020. That's, that's yep. bullshit. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So that just happened. Um, some other big moves. Brian Reynolds is kind of the one everybody's talking about. FC Dallas to Roma. That's, uh, that's $7 huge. Million did, did you, do you, do you listen to uh, Extra Time podcast? So they had one where they were talking about all these recent currently moves. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and we've and we've watched this real time, right? We have the Weston McKennies of the world. We have this. Yep. So you, you know, mentioned Dass, Ariola. Oh, no, you mentioned Morris. Ariola is over yep. there now, too. Ariola, too. I mean, all these all these moves. Mm-hmm. And it all started with like, you know, we had a couple of good um, Bundesliga players, right? It started with the aspect of, of, um, you know, of the Bundesliga players. And then it just started, you know, incrementing. And I think literally, and as much as I hate the Italian league, if it wasn't for Weston McKinney, I mean, it was just, you know, it opened up the floodgates now. And like now people probably, are seeing this as a talent. You could probably go to Pulisic, right? Pulisic. Yeah, well, Christian Pulisic was, was, but I think that's, that's what you get, like so sort of an exception, right? Yeah. It's the exception, but not the rule. And I think now mm-hmm. it's becoming more of the rule and the aspect of it, right? That the that this part of the Americas has become more of a new kind of like the gold rush aspect of it. It's getting to yep. that aspect of it. We're like, oh look, there's talent, there's resources here, and we can get them what's considered in a cheaper way, right? You buy someone for eight million dollars, and like four years down the line, you sell them for sixty, seventy, yep. with a transfer fee. I mean, you're you're making bank, right? Well, if you look at the next thing in the notes here, you got it. it there's a picture of fifty four. U.S. citizens that are now currently playing in Europe, top, European top leagues, which that number I don't think has ever been that high in the no, history never. of, of I don't think football so. in this country. And the, so I was just referring to the extra time has a really interesting conversation regarding that. And so if anyone wants to talk more about that, but I think it, what they were getting at is that are we, are we reaching a golden age in the aspect of like talent pool for Jewish players? And I think in the, in a sense, it's like it's, it's growing. It's not I don't think it's fully there. But I think people are now realizing that the talent pool is here, it's accessible, and it's affordable, right? Yep. And if yep. MLS doesn't have an academy system, right, that that all of them can be behind on, then this is the way that people are going to do that. I mean, $8 million for a player is huge deal. And now you can yeah. probably fund, I don't know, how many years who, of your academy. honestly that, hasn't right? played that much. What, he played yeah. like a season, one season? Dallas. I mean, and you have the Ricardo Pepe's of the world. You have like the Jesus, Jesus of the world who are playing their young players. And I'm like, it's crazy. It's like, I'm, and, and it makes me even more mad because we don't even have anything like, right. We, you know, we sell, I mean, Caden Clark is going to, we talked about this last podcast. Caden Clark is going over yeah. to RB. Yeah. And, and, you know, and any of that money is totally not, I don't know how much, how much of the U of Minnesota United gets out of that, if anything, but you know, it's time to invest in that aspect of it. It's, it's going to become a place where 
where you can actually make money and fund. That's a good transition. Rodrigo, Cincinnati, hit it. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, this, like, happened within, like, the looming lockout. And maybe Cincinnati knew something, right, that I did not know. But all of a sudden, like, FC Cincinnati is, like, buying, like, there's claims that they've purchased PT Martinez. But if you look at PT Martinez's Instagram, said that nothing has been final. Don't believe anything's in the hype. But who do who do they buy? Like they, they just started making moves left and right, and I was like, wait, doing this whole thing is just it's just nuts. And so everyone thinks you know FC Cincinnati is you know on this third year, right? The the highlight of Cincinnati is, is Frankie Amaya, which I love that kid, and I think is probably one of my favorite um, players on that team. But it's just you know. All these, all these transfer stuff is just—it was just crazy. So, like, you, do you want to talk about my, uh, my, my lawsuit for one of my stage names? For go my for DJ it. Name? Yes, <laughs> go for it. Brenner da Silva. I was MC Brenner da Silva. That's that's copyright infringement. Now this this kid is uh he's a 21 year old striker from São Paulo. 18 million is is what's being thrown up, which is just, just out just of this nuts. world, right? Out of this world. Um. He is very talented. Whether he's actually worth that much, I'm not sure. But he's got 13 goals for São Paulo this season. Um, he played on the Seleção uh, U17, and he was the lead scorer for that right. particular U17 team. But that was, right. what, four years ago? Right, and, they, um, and I think Cincinnati announced that they've signed him for $14 million. Okay. So, like, that's freaking nuts. It is. It is. And, you know, Sao Paulo is one of those teams that they they're fine. They're very much one of those middle teams, but I think they are starting to struggle a little bit. So th- when when they probably realized they could get this number as high as that as this is, they're probably just like, sweet, <laughs> let's make it happen. No, yeah, no, it was it, when everything was boring and we were all ready for the lockout and, you know, people were uh, speculating that all these loans were because there wasn't going to be a league for a long time and it wasn't going to be resumed play. But I mean, $14 million for, for a striker is, is, is bank. And, and actually Cincinnati is trying to make sure people forget who they are and, and build on the future. And, and, and if the rumors of PT Martinez somehow end up being true, oh, I that's, mean, that's right. That that's, there's that too. If those rumors end up being right. I mean, you imagine a forward, and you have PT who can get you the ball because PT won't shoot. I, th- and I then, think, and then you got Frankie Maya playing the six. I mean, that's a solid attacking line. I think Rodrigo, we need to have uh, Eric Silva Brenneman interview Brenner da Silva on the Minnesota. Yeah, I football think show. I think it's something. It's just just a DM of Minnesota football show would be like, <laughs> hey, we 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 have a da Silva in our in our in our in our staff, and we would like the da Silvas to not even a that a, a Silva Brenneman and a Brenner da Silva. It's exactly. like. It's like looking in a mirror. Exactly. <laughs> it's the it's the Spider Man. It's the Spider Man. Right. <laughs> um, U.S. Men's National Team. They played. They really took care of uh, Trinidad and Tobago seven nil. Um, I, I didn't get to watch it. Rodrigo, any any hot takes? I mean, it's it's one yeah. of those things where great. It's I'm I'm you know they're they're playing low competition. I I'm all hashtag abolish Concacaf. I wish they were playing Argentina or Brazil, even a Bolivia, but. Uh, 
That was I guess great. the positive the positive is well, these are probably like B string, B team kind of guys, and they're still performing this well. So kind of goes to your point of the whole golden generation thing, but take it away. Yeah, no, I I think this is this game was and given it to that Tobago was in the same situation that um similar situation that Colombia was in was that they hadn't played for like an over a year. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And so and so and then it just literally put this team together to come out there. And it was one of those things where like we knew that, you know, this was gonna be a lopsided game. But what I really liked watching was all the players who were coming back from injury and how how the report for everybody else was. I mean, Jackson Jewell, even though he didn't do any wild things, he did solid things, right? And 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 he's a good good six in a sense in that way. Um in this game, but then you had the Jonathan Lewis, right? That we we fear to play against every time we, we play Colorado. Do some really mo- great movements on that wing. Gets a brace. That, yeah, gets a movement, but like he set people up. I mean, and then you have comeback uh, kid Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, who, also a brace. There are a lot of braces. Who, who <laughs> only had like two goals and three assists. And then you have coming back for another injury, you know, right. Ariola, who had a one, probably one of my favorite goals in this whole game. I mean, like the movement and the creation in that zone 14 for these young guys was great to watch. And, 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 and I think Jesus Ferreira and he's a, he's, you know, he plays for Lucci for my stepdad. So, <laughs> so you have PT and Ferreira up top and I don't know. I mean, if you get a, a good center and you get a good center midfielder and, and wingers to be able to support them, Watch out. I mean, that's going to be offense if you get that going. Right? And all these dudes are under 25, too, right? Are yeah, exactly. They're all that's young guys. Yeah. That's the thing, too. It's like, this is the thing that gets me excited is that, you know, there's going to be a chance. Like, I'm okay if for some reason we dump all the old guys, right? As much as I respect <laughs> it, I, I, as much as I respect Josie Altador, and I do, but I think Josie should be like, you know what? I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be a mentor. I'm going to be the super sub. You need me to run over some folks. You need me to hold the ball up time. You need me to go and do these things. I'll do it. And just let Jesus Ferreira, let, let all these other young forwards come up and just, just light it all up and see how that goes. I mean, what, what, what more do you have to lose? I mean, yeah. you don't really have to do much. I mean, like you imagine Christian Pulisic, you, Weston McKinney, you have Tyler Adams, you have all these, you know, you, the the pool is is bigger and the talent is is more recognized now, so it's going to be really interesting what uh, Berhalter does going into the future. Like if we do have an Olympics, then what do you do? Mm. Do you take do you take the the established uh, starting eleven of the senior team? I say it's these guys, or you take these guys, and I, I in my mind guys. would be like I take these guys. Just yeah, let same. these young guys play, get exposure, get get some uh consistency and, and and let them tear up tear up tear up what they what they can so it's it's exciting to watch it and yes it's Trinidad and Tobago I get that but at the same time like I'm like you I wish they go play in Bolivia because that'd be fun to watch mm. altitude yes exactly and we'd be like we'll play in La Paz <laughs> I love to watch that game but you know or or go play somewhere else or invite but I mean like if these friendlies, 
that we're, we're seeing recently, uh, the reasons that are, at least my opinion, the reasons that they're being made is because these other federations need the money and need the players to play. And they only play that. And, and unfortunately, if you're looking at how COVID is spread in the Americas, even though the United States is horribly, it's not, worldly is not ranked the best, other, other countries I'm not even close to to like cutting close to the vaccine and all the other stuff or following the protocols that people are doing, at least in the aspect of sports. And so yeah. like it gives you an opportunity to play, even though you know things might go bad. And you can make money, right? You can fund yourselves and like something. So as much as it might suck to get killed seven nothing or ten nothing or twelve nothing or whatever. At least you know you you you'll be able to get paid, and we talked about that with MLS, right? Like uh, players come here, and sometimes it, the the financial reason is because you get paid on time. And then Brenda was uh, alluded to it in some of these leagues that that she talked about, like people were not getting paid on time. So yeah, well, let's just burn through some internationals here. We don't we don't have a lot. Um, we covered the the meat of it with with uh, Dr. Elsie there. Um, so Club World Cup that started. I mean. Libertadores ends, Come Bowl champ, and boom, like right away, Palmeiras hops on a plane because these guys are already going. So you had Usan Hyundai representing the Asian Confederation versus Tigres representing uh, CONCACAF. And Hyundai actually scores first. Uh, Kim, who is a former uh, Seattle Sounders player, he, he scores, um, but then uh, they get two more, including a penalty, both from the Frenchman, Gignac, has a really sweet goal comes in from nowhere in the 38th and the other one's a penalty. So, so Tigres will move on. They uh, will play Palmeiras on Sunday, the seventh. That should be a awesome game. I have no idea how I'm going to watch it, but yeah, I, I, I want to find it. Fig- Maybe we could um, Facebook do a Fubo, no, like a Fubo trial. Seven day oh, the trial. trial. <laughs> Ooh, the trial. <laughs> and see if they have it on that. Tempting, tempting. Um, the other one also happened. Uh, the first round here was, Aldo Duhel, I think is how you pronounce it. They're they're representing the just the home country of Qatar, and then Alahi from uh, from Egypt, and Alahi won one nil on that. So they will play uh, Bayern on Monday the eighth, and then from there it, it's so fast because you just basically get you go straight from a little mini group to semifinal to final, and it's over in like a week and a half. Um, so we'll see. Bayern's going to be tough to beat, but. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. EPL. Uh, we can just kind of skip through some of this. I put some solid stuff in for Bridget. They had a really great match, 3-1 over West Ham, and that solid goal was awesome. Um, how about this thing on Tuesday? It, this looks like a futsal score, Rodrigo. 9-0 Manchester United over Southampton. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like everybody scored. Even Southampton scored, but it was on their own goal. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. It's true. Uh, so yep. that was crazy. Nine nothing. And even like up to the 93rd minute. Like if you look at it, 18, 25th, yeah. 34, like, 39, bam, 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 69, 90, 70, I mean, 71 minutes. I mean, like there probably isn't like 20 minutes within like a goal, right? Yep. 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 Um, Bridget's not here. We we don't have. We could skip her. her right, getting, she, yeah. getting beat by by Dan Odeman's uh, Brighton. Yeah, that was that was crazy. So, 
I'm going to throw this one to you, bud, because uh, I think you have a little bit more on it than I do. This is um, a story that broke on Odisha FC. They are an Indian team right. in the Indian league there. Um, take it away. So apparently the um, after a heated match against their in-town rivals, the Odisha FC uh, head coach, Stuart Baxter, used sexually explicit violent terms um, against the referees in an interview. Mm. Like in the aspect of talking about how like the players couldn't get a call. And then he said, I bet you my players couldn't even call even if they were. And then you. Oh, th this is like a post-match interview. Yeah. Uh... And after that, then Odisha FC decided to terminate the head coach contract, right? Because apparently, yeah, it's really bad, and it's bad. I was like, I was like, wow, using that, and like, and you're like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm good for the club to be able to quickly come and talk and and stand against it, but at the same time, I was like, where, where, where was your vetting of this person as soon as, you yeah. For him to think that was acceptable. Yeah, to like, right. Yeah. So, yikes. You know. Yeah. Yikes. Um, no Brazil, Brasileirão, Goiás. I don't know how they do it. Like, Dan and I were joking with, with the Brighton win when they beat Liverpool. And I was like, man, I think your, your Brighton and my Goiás are, are two branches on the same tree, I think. Because somehow they lose to all the middle and, and bad teams. And then, you know, the the – Gigantes, the big teams come and somehow we beat them because Goiás at the time uh, they, they were lining up again. They're still in relegation against Atlético Mineiro. We're number two, number two on the table. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I just expected it to be like another five or six nil loss. Right. They beat them. They beat them one nil. I yeah, couldn't believe it. I saw they, that. they scored in like the 50 something minute um, held on. I mean, I, to your point about, uh, but Nashville, that's what it was, man. They scored early and then just like parked the bus and bunkered and and they pulled it off. So huge win. Like if if we can just like do this whole Nashville philosophy. Where, where are like they the next where month, are they currently placed right now? They are uh so out of twenty, they're seventeen. Eight, oh, so they're eighteen. So they so so they just gotta win win one and probably tie. And the, two to get two to the seventeen. Wins, Two or three wins would solidify it. Yeah, yeah. And they've got about – I have to look at the calendar again, but it, like it's about a month. Like at least four games, right? Yeah. Yeah, four or five. So it's tight. It's it's doable, but it's – I, I didn't expect this one. So the best part about it, Rodrigo, that, and I'll, I'll, I've specifically put this in here for you, is uh, Sampaioli is the coach of Atletico Mineiro right now, and he was mad. <laughs> so you got to see sad, mad Sampaioli, which was awesome. Worth it. Which is also a great thing to say, sad, mad Sampaioli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Celebration. Um, this week in racism, we haven't had this one in a while, bringing it back. This goes to the play-by-play -play radio announcers from, did I put it in here? I can't remember. I, I thought I put the station in, but they were from Porto Alegre. It was Santos versus uh, Gremio, I'm pretty sure. And he just, he said a word that I'm not even going to say. Uh, you shouldn't say it, referring to a, a Santos player. And, and he was immediately called out. He was immediately called out by uh, other media. Uh, Santos players picked it up and came after him. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's off the station now at this point. Um, 
I, I'm not exactly sure if anybody from the uh, from from Gremio responded, but there there was a swift backlash, particularly from Santos. I mean, a lot of those Santos guys are very are very conscious, very uh, very into the into uh, Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter, and and anti-racist and all they that just, stuff. So they, they couldn't they take it to Bolsonaro Bolsonaro's team though. At the end though, I just. It couldn't be Palmeiras, so I mean, I no, they couldn't. <laughs> no, they couldn't. That would have been a great um, ending, but no. Yeah. Um, Konkov Champions League. I think this is about all we got. They they kind of changed their format. It looks like starting, or they will change, I should say, in 2023. Basically, it just kind of looks more like a uh, more like a Champions League format. Is is kind of the takeaway I'm getting. What What do you think? I mean, we're, we're breaking up basically Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. into a pot. Central America into a pot and the Caribbean into a pot. Right. And then pulling teams from there that go on to what would be like your tournament round. Is that correct? Am I reading? How many per right? group? Is there, there'll be four in a group, right? How many in a per group? So there's four, four groups of five. So that's what it is. It each club, four groups, the 20 clubs will be drawn into four groups of five. That's what it says. Okay, there you go. Each club will play a total of four group stage matches, two at home and two away. That's going to be really interesting. How are you going I mean, to do that? Yeah. I, I like it better for the simple fact that that the U.S. and Mexico aren't going to have to play like St. Lucia and Barbados and stuff like that. They're, they're no, no, be... I, I get that. I get that stuff. But then you're still going to have you could you could have someone play in New York from, mm. you know, the FA, right? I mean, that's technically what what could happen so yeah. it's going to be interesting how how the logistics is or if there will be i mean it, it says home and away but it doesn't really say if it's really home and away it could just be labeled a game home and away and all we're doing is playing the bubble right 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 yeah who knows where things are going to be in right, in 2023 right. it's it's i don't know it, it at least when I looked at it, I, I think I forgot to put in the other graphic, but in the one graphic I do have, it seemed to to streamline and make a little bit more sense just to have bigger teams uh, in terms of ranking and stature and whatever you want to say that are going to play each other straight away and then have the minnows do the minnow thing and then get that all settled so that the strongest minnows, <laughs> what, what's a strong minnow? I don't know. A, a, I'm losing my metaphor here. A, a bass? The, the the bass gets to move on apparently <laughs> go, yeah go after the sharks i know nothing I about fishing so then it would be I, I haven't fished in a very long time yeah, Senor, yeah. Querido, es todo que tengo. oh I, i got one thing for you that's palmeiras related okay go um so new york city fc forward valentin castellano has drawn the attention of 2020 copa libertadores champions palmeiras oh really Yep, according to a, a reports out of Argentina. So, huh? Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Why? Well, there you go. And I don't. I don't think it'll happen, but who knows, right? The world yeah. is crazy. We live in COVID, and somehow soccer—you can still play soccer professionally out there. So, somehow, yeah. We, we, we got the uh, Club World Cup still rolling, so we'll, we'll pay attention to that. It'll be done by the time we record next week, so we'll, we'll have a, in <laughs> I theory, know, a, I, I hate about it's, I it's hate, so fast. I hate that, though. Like, that's the one thing I hate. Like, like you get your Libertadores, you get your Champions League, you know, 
that should this should be like another whole tournament. Like we get to it watch should. it, and it, you know, I don't care if it's like on on a paywall, but at least I want to be able to watch because you know you want to watch an, uh, teams that you've never seen of play and see what happens. Right. But we don't because it just it always gets thrown under the rug, and no one knows until like the final. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, that. millions of petrol dollars are being thrown right. all over the place. <laughs> But the one thing that's interesting to me is because Palmeiras hasn't had a a break at all. And like Brenda was referring to last year too, the same with Flamengo. It'll it'll be interesting to me, at least I'm I'm curious if having a like one or two month break, like some of these teams have had it, whether it helps or hinders in, in terms of performance. Cause you know, sometimes just keep, when you just keep going and you have that momentum and you have that energy, that can be a positive and it can be a negative. You get worn out. So It'll be curious to see how Palm, how Paul made us kind of uh, reacts and, and plays considering they have not had a break. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think it's also, it plays on just like you were saying, right? Like um, your Goyas, as much as we, we love to cheer for them, you know, like we're <laughs> playing a number two, we're playing a number two team that, you know, it's also on that grind. And so like, they're playing two seasons. Any, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like any, any day could, you can beat anybody. It's pretty much what it's turning into. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, thank right. you. Thank you, yep. listeners. Thank you, everyone. Patreon.com backslash Minnesota Football Show. All that good stuff. Um, yeah. And thanks to Brandon once again. What do you got? Thank you so much. All right. Good night. Bye. Mm-hmm.